Welcome to the Thanks Therapy podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello, I am Dr. Emma Lydon. And I'm Hannah Lydon, and this is our therapy appreciation podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Today we have our very first guest. Yay! Yay. So before we introduce our guest, we want to introduce the topic and talk a bit about our views on this before we get a more expert opinion, Hannah. So today we're talking all about mental health and exercise, which was excellently introduced into the conversation in the last episode by Hannah, almost as if we planned it. Well, actually... I can't remember what I said in the last episode in order to bring up the topic of mental health and exercise. Um, can you remember? Can yes. You know what it is? So we were talking about body image. So that's, that was, there was an, a natural relation to, you were talking about how when, at times when you had exercised, you felt more positive about your body. Oh yeah, I did say that. You mm. did. It was a good point to make. Mm, and annoying. we brought it forward into our interview as a question for our guest. Well, I'm going to go back and listen again to that because I'm I'm shocked that this topic was brought up by me <laughs> because I'm the per- person in this podcast partnership who has a more apathetic relationship with exercise, mm-hmm. I think, than you. But that's okay. Let's go for it because like most things, we have opinions. Absolutely. I believe you've done some research. Of course, yes. Um, So my first point I wanted to make um, about this is it seems like borderline common knowledge at this point that exercise is good for mood disorders. Would you agree with that? I reluctantly agree. (laughs) It's annoyingly extremely true. I, yeah, I have begun to accept age nearly 30 that the sneaky, depressive part of my brain and I have fewer disagreements during periods of my life where I am more physically and socially active. Yeah. Like it's just a fact even though it pains me to admit. And I'm sure a lot of my fellow depressives out there have had similar realisations at some point or another. And our guest later is going to discuss this with us and tell us why scientifically that happens, even though what Freud would call the id is protesting and telling us that we'll feel better if we stay in bed at 3pm eating crisps, because that's what I want to do. Sometimes you will feel better if you stay in bed at 3pm eating crisps. But it's a different kind of better. Yeah, not in the long term. If you even get up and stretch, you're going to feel better. Absolutely, yeah. I know that. And I still don't do it because... There's like an indulgent part of me that's like, no, I'm not going to feel better. I'm the only person in the world who's impervious to endorphins. <laughs> well, I but think some people are sick of, of people taking that common knowledge and trying to suggest that going for a run will fix their diagnosed mental illness. And we are in no way suggesting that it will. Firstly, Mm-mm. let's get that straight. No, no. That is oversimplifying and it's reductive and it's patronising to people with mental illnesses to be like, just get outside. Yeah. You feel brilliant. Have I mean, a cup of might. tea. But that's not the whole lecture. Otherwise, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this. Yeah, we would be remiss not to mention. Am I? Is not correctly remiss? Yes. It would be remiss of me to not mention 
Yes, I think either way is correct. Mm -hmm. I think people will know what you mean if you're saying it. Do you want to? No, keep this all in. Okay, cool. We all have problems with grammar. Yeah, we, we need to mention that while exercise is something recommended for those who are struggling with anxiety or depression, speaking from experience, it can be frustrating or minimizing for people who are seeking help with serious mental health issues to constantly be met with the old try yoga, meditate, get out for a walk each day, mm. those platitudes from people around them and particularly mental health professionals, no tea, no shade. However, while acknowledging that exercise is just one cog in the larger mental well-being machine, mm-hmm. we thought it would be cool and informative to get specific about why it's such a useful tool to boost your overall feeling of health and well-being. Yes. If you're in a place to manage Engaging with that cog. Yeah. Am I stretching the cog metaphor too thin, Emma? Maybe a little, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. No, speaking of cogs, let's carry that on for a bit. So, you know, the commonly used take five um, steps to well-being that has been publicised by our public health agency in the UK and Northern Ireland. So the take five steps to well-being are be active, connect keep learning, take notice and give. So take notice is like mindfulness. Be active is obviously exercise. Connect is make social connections. Uh, Keep learning is obvious. And give the, the, it's that's like give back. So like volunteering is one of the ways in which they, they suggest that somebody else out in any way that you can. So I also might've suggested that because um, while it does seem kind of trite to suggest those to people when they are experiencing mental distress, um, they are evidence-based ways to improve your well-being from a number of directions. Um, and exercise is just one cog in that larger machine. Thank you for bringing the cogs back yeah, into it. Definitely. definitely. For that. Um, so we did talk about how we have observed that when we're exercising, we feel mentally better and physically better. So that seems like a major win or a win-win. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, I did do the thing and I looked up some research. Yes. So there are many studies, too many to quote, but you could, if you wanted like a reference for something that you were writing, you will find many, for example, systematic reviews that demonstrate that physical exercise, and it doesn't really matter what it is, but an amount of physical exercise usually like three to five times a week, will improve diagnosed mental illness like a major depressive disorder and anxiety disorders. And it also improves your confidence, your self-esteem, your sociability and your cognitive functioning. And I could go on. And the point here is that there's loads of evidence about that. So it's not really sort of under debate anymore. But I find quite an interesting study which was specifically about exercise and motivation during COVID. Oh, okay. And why I thought it was interesting was they found that there was a paradox in this, um, in mental health as a motivator for physical activity. So mental health was both a motivator and a barrier to physical activity during the COVID-19 pandemic. And always and always exactly that's my exact relationship with it yeah and and this is a point which I think we don't 
kind of bring up in the interview. So just for clarity, we did the interview before. Don't tell the secrets oh. of how we make this podcast. All right, okay. No, well, just timing wise, we had to do it before. But anyway, um, and so I don't think that we really bring up in the interview that when you have mental illness, it makes it really hard to motivate yourself to get out and have a walk so or have a run. Mental that we didn't say that or that I didn't. Yeah. I just bitched about how much I don't like doing exercise. But my I should have mentioned in that not only do I there's a, a fundamental part of my personality that goes, I don't wanna I don't wanna do exercise. Mm-hmm. I want to sit and watch Countdown and Eat Crisps. I think we all have that part. But also with my experience of mental illness, there's a part of me that not only doesn't want to exercise, doesn't want to leave my room mm. or see another human person. And yeah. going and doing exercise sort of necess- necessitates that you do get out of bed, leave your room. Definitely. Um, so that is the thing that I have m- much experience with is being like, I can't do that because I have other shit going on. Like I yeah. can't brush my teeth today. So that is something that we should have mentioned. I do think it's really important that we mention it because it could come across as, as again, really patronising, really trite if we're sort of saying... All the evidence suggests that it's really good for your mental Why health. Don't you just get up and do it, you fat fuck. Yeah. I'm not saying that. No, whatsoever. we would never, ever say that. No. I mean, I went for a run today, and the reason I was able to go for a run today was because I woke up feeling good. Yeah. I couldn't go for a run yesterday we because I did not yesterday. feel good yesterday. <laughs> so it, I know it sounds really obvious, but we do have to introduce that paradox into the discussion. So yes, it's really good for your mental health, but it can be almost impossible to motivate yourself to get up and go for a walk. Um, How I have motivated myself to go for a walk over the pandemic is because walks like has become like a drug level high for me now. (laughs) So it's to do with a number of things it's to do with the walk yeah the uh, it's to do with the seeing the dog's little fluffy bum running oh. happily through the grass and snuffling everywhere that's major that's good um but it is the m- massive part of it the major part of it is the forests mm-hmm. it's walking in the forests that's that's when it's really really good when I'm going to a really nice forest like all the forests are nice I'm not discriminating against any forests or anything um but I did walk a lot around the area just when, when we had a travel distance ban. Yeah. I just got out and walked around with the dog or listening to a podcast. And it made me get really familiar with an area that I had re- just sort of moved into and, um, you know, enjoy it more. And I, I even got to enjoy those just pavement walks around, you know, around the streets near me. So the reason why I can motivate myself to walk is because like there's a direct immediate benefit. Like I want to do it. I know it will help me feel better. Sometimes as soon as I get into the forest, I'm like, oh, it feels so much better now. That's nice. Really good. Um, So we're not suggesting that you should motivate yourself to go and do something painful like jogging if you're not feeling it. Um, you know that quote from Parks and Rec where um, Anne is talking about Chris m- making her jog or something and she's saying, I know it's good for you, but at what cost? And she is right because yeah. you like jogging. I fucking hate jogging. Yeah. It's the worst. I don't even like to walk 
in a way that could be construed that I might be able to break into a dog. <laughs> that pains me. I will only run if my life is being threatened. I won't run for a bus. But you do like yoga and you get an immediate it. benefit out of yoga. I guess and that's an exercise. Of, I mean, that's a that 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 is my, you know, drug when you're talking about your forest high. Yeah. I, I do get like a there's one time I was telling someone about this recently and I kind of remembered it and was like, I'd forgotten about that. I went on like an emotional journey. I put on, this is such a cliche and I'm so embarrassed, but I'm going to say it. I put on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon and I just freestyled yoga the whole time. Wow. And it made me feel <gasps> like a natural body high. Wow. I've never been able to replicate it again, but I've kind of been, I haven't really tried to again because I think it was just like, just happened organically but I think you've done enough yoga where you you know the poses well enough yeah that you can so I don't I don't because I haven't done it consistently enough I couldn't really I could just do downward dog and child's pose you can go back and forth between those and still have like a I, how many times would experience. I have to do those two you can do it like dark two, side of the moon. times and your stomach would feel really sore yeah definitely the next day but Anyway, the point of all of that is um, now I'm kind of, I'm craving that that initial hit each yeah. time of being like, oh my God, this makes me feel amazing. So that's why I haven't been doing it that much recently. You'll be going to greater and greater lengths to get that that high. You'll be putting on Prince albums. You'll be... <laughs> love to do that. <laughs> going, hiking up to the top of a mountain at yeah. sunset to time the sunset with a point in the album. Probably anyway, so... In summary, <laughs> all of that is to say, yes, uh, exercise good, but we understand that it's A, not for everybody, B, difficult to do if you're not feeling positive already in the first place, and C, I don't need a C because the first one was so good. Because those are th- those are the main points that we're making. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we have our guest on now. You will hear the interview that we had with our Lovely guest, yep. Zach Cahill. Zach Cahill. Who um, gave us some um, much less emotive, more factually correct information about exercise. And it was very helpful and enjoyable to us. So I hope you enjoy the interview. Let's go. Okay, so we are so excited to introduce Zach. And we just so happen to be lucky to be related to one of the best trainers in London, not just according to me, but according to Time Out magazine. So he is the director of Aegis Training. Is that how you pronounce that? Yes, that's yeah. Right, yeah. And he specializes in helping busy professionals lose fat with bespoke programs. He is also an award winning journalist and has written for GQ, Men's Health, and Out There magazine as a fitness writer and also a travel writer. And he is a novelist as well and has published one amazing debut novel, which is one of my favorite books and a very brilliant debut, which is called Superstars. Yeah, that's love it. available on Amazon Kindle edition, scribed and big cartel in paperback. If anyone wants to look at that, and I believe there's a second novel on the way, Zach. There is a second novel on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So look out for that. Um, and luckily for us, we have an in with this accomplished person, so we can ask him to come on the podcast and share some wisdom about mental health and exercise. Welcome, Zach, and thanks for doing this for us. It's really cool. 
Gosh, thanks very much for that introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Thanks for coming on. It's really, really lovely to have you. And it's nice to have the excuse to have a chat and and see your face. So we are talking to Zach over over Zoom at the minute. So, um, you know, the quality might be a wee bit different from our normal recording, but we'll, um, we'll fire ahead anyway. So firstly... Um, we wanted to ask you, everyone hears all the time that exercise is good for your mental health and even more than that, that it helps with depression and anxiety and diagnose mental illness. So what do you understand from a fitness professional perspective about the mechanisms behind that? Well, I mean, I guess everyone kind of knows about sort of the idea of endorphins and dopamine or at least we've sort of heard about these things in a funny way. We sort of become so much more like literate with these types of concepts over the last like 10, 20 years. Um, like I can remember when people didn't even know what, you know, carbs were or something, you know, and then suddenly <laughs> people are like able to talk about these like complex, you know, endocrine phenomena within the body and stuff like that. So, I mean, the, the, the sort of biochemical answer is that, yeah, it's supposed to produce, help you produce more dopamine, more um, endorphins. So things that are sort of off shorthandly re refer referenced as your, your happy hormones. It's obviously a lot more mm. complicated than that. But um, like anything, I think it's sort of multifactorial, isn't it? Like if you're making a decision to do something active that's for you and like carving out a little bit of time in your day for yourself, then yeah. completely aside from any kind of uh, chemical reactions in the body or whatever, I think you're going to get a benefit from that. Um, yeah. Like yeah. I mean, social yeah. thing as well, you know? Um, so yeah, it seems to be pretty well established and, you, uh, you know, it's not just nonsense. It really does actually <laughs> yeah. make you a lot happier. Do you, yeah, do absolutely. you like um, discuss that when you're training people? Does that come into it or do you just kind of focus on the, the work? Well, it, 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 in a, not in that, so you don't sort of, you wouldn't necessarily go into the, um, you know, the brain chemistry of it or whatever, because again, people sort of know that in a, in a kind of kind of sketchy way. Mm. Um, <laughs> we'll sort of talk to people about, okay, well, why are you here? You know, what are you actually doing this for? Because um, sometimes people come because they think they should come to train, you know, mm. and it's not really good enough reason. You know, people are, you, you need to have a, have a good enough reason to be doing it that is actually important to you not just because you you know you should be doing it so that's one thing i think i try to do is like, well how is this actually going to make you happy mm. how is this how is this actually kind of meaningful to you so yeah mm. i talk about it in that kind of way you do delve into it's a kind of a cliche that you hear a lot of like oh being a trainer is like a being a, a therapist or whatever it's not really true you're you are you're like a sympathetic ear um which is enough you know you're yeah. you are you are paid to sort of be invested in that person's well-being and their time so often it is just asking them about what's going on in their lives you know often it's because personal training is expensive as well so it's kind of people in in, in jobs where they're bossing people around all the time and sure. making big decisions so to show up and abdicate all responsibility for you know the next hour of their life like i will tell them what to do mm -hmm. it's actually quite freeing and then just kind of asking questions about how they are and stuff so um yeah it all kind of goes together you know yeah. I, I think i think the, the the huge thing is um doing something 
that is entirely for for you, for yourself, not because you should be doing it, not because someone else is telling you you should do it, not because of expectations, but because you've decided to do that thing for you and carve out that time in your week and, you know, not let the other demands of life kind of um, impede it, you know. Um, that le- would probably lead us quite neatly on to the next question. But I did just want to go back to, because you mentioned about brain chemistry and you talked about the um, what's so-called happy hormones of like serotonin and, and dopamine. Um, mm-hmm. And I was always more interested in the in the impact with cortisol um, mm-hmm. and and how, because I think, the you know, the evidence that I've looked at is really saying that um, exercise regulates all of those hormones so the, yeah. the, the hormones that are impacting stress and anxiety and are elevated when you have a depressive condition and also then the happy hormones. And so I was always very interested in particularly cortisol because it yeah. seems like one of those things that floods your body. It's supposed to be used for one thing. And actually in our society, we don't use it for, you know, it's not usually operated in the way it should be. Yeah. Well, it's like anything. Cortisol is, is, um, neither good nor bad. It's something that you need. And it, it, it went in as part of a sort of well-regulated system. It's, it's a little bit higher in the morning and that's what wakes you up. And it was supposed to come, come down later in the day, which is how you get to sleep. And sometimes that flips. So you're kind of tired, but wired, you know, you're, you can't go to sleep at night because everything's buzzing around in your head. You can't, you can, you know, you can't get asleep. Um, so exercise helps to regulate that pattern with having it higher in the morning and not as high in the evening. Um, it is associated with burning fat. So that, that you know, that you, you, you need, you do, you need it in a lot of ways. It's also associated with memory quite interestingly. Mm. Um, that's why you get this effect or it's one of the explanations why you get the effect of, uh, you know, flashbulb memory. You know, if you, yeah. you're in a stressful situation, it's like time slows down and you're, um, you get, you, you remember it in like really high detail. Yeah. Um, oh, I think that's because that. of cortisol. So, cause it's, yeah, you're in a stressful situation release a bit more cortisol so your memory of that is uh is even more vivid um but so yeah it's not it's just getting branded the stress hormone makes you think okay well the less of that the better but no it's it's actually that's it's it's dysfunctional you're getting at the wrong time time of day or too consistently or too constantly like it's constantly there in the background rather than kind of having a natural ebb, ebb and flow over the day so yeah exercise helps with that and the good thing with all this exercise benefits is it's really non-specific basically any form of exercise will do it's not that there's a magic training program. Obviously, training, how you design a program matters for a specific outcome. But in terms of the general outcomes, the sort of like holistic outcomes that you get from exercise, any, any form of exercise works. So you can just choose the type that you like. You know, if you don't like weight training, but you do like walking, mm. then that's fine. And it's not even a huge amount that you need, um, you know, like kind of 10, 15 minutes a day. Which an amount, you know, that honestly isn't really going to cut it for losing fat or really kind of changing your body, but is going to help you for the mental health benefits. So if that's the main thing that you're interested in, you can have like a very low dose, um, you know, a low dose effect. Yeah. Um, Well, as listeners to this podcast know, we are big fans of walking, um, (laughs) including dad's song walking, which we played at the end of one of the episodes. We played a clip of it. Oh, very good. um, Yeah. You want to ask the next one, Hanzo? Yeah. Cool. Um, or maybe I should ask this actually, because this is this was a personal question I had. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. More sense so, for you. Um, so 
what was the thing that I felt was related to what you were saying about, you know, trainers, there's a there's a stereotype that they are uh, like a therapist, but actually it's just about, you know, asking how you are and things like that. Mm-hmm. One thing I found I needed in the past year when I felt very vulnerable at times. So I started personal training during like a lull in the lockdown. Um, yeah. And obviously there was other personal things that went on um, during the year, but I needed a personal trainer who I felt safe with. Um, and so the last year was difficult, obviously, globally. Um, and what I wanted to ask you was if you had any experience of clients who needed a particularly sensitively approached program or designed program due to trauma or, or something of that kind. You d- you have to be like malleable, I would say, to be successful at it anyway. So I think you get good at picking up what people respond to there there have been cases where there there have been clients who have gone through something particularly tough or particularly traumatic um but it's probably rare that we'd talk about it specifically um they don't necessarily want to get into that with you they're they're usually choosing you for a specific reason and they're looking after that dealing with that with someone else rightly so yeah um, so I think if you can just get on with the person, have rapport with the person, then you're going to cover those bases. I mean, there have been a few times where we've got into things specifically, but for, yeah, I, I would honestly say for the most part, lots of people have things going on and many, many like of my clients will have had very serious things going on in their life, but they're not necessarily coming to me to pick it over. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely if I had been just a real Sergeant major type with that person and not you know there's no excuses you know you just need to make this the most important thing in your life it wouldn't have gone over well you know no there are people who come to you for training and they're ready to make it the most important thing in their life for a short period of time and that's great and they'll get great results and that's just a specific time some sometimes people have that in their life that's this golden window when you get amazing results that's not most people they've mostly got other more important things um, going on. So I think not expecting people to prioritize this above all the other myriad things that they've got going on in their life and just finding your way to work with them mm. is the most important thing. That's interesting because that's some I've never gone to a personal trainer. Um, but I did used to go to the gym um, quite regularly and I signed up for a class once. It was called mm-hmm. like Tread and Shred. And it was on yeah. treadmills and you just like did all this mad stuff on treadmills. So I was like, I'll, I'll go for that. But the heat, this guy, you say Sergeant Major, he was very much in that style. Mm. And it totally freaked yeah. me out. He was like, if I was yeah. taking breaks and stuff, because I was not that f- as fit as the other people doing it. So I was already a bit like, oh, this isn't going that well. I'm really stressed by the treadmill <laughs> aspect of this. Why did I choose this class? And at one point I was taking a break and he said something like, uh, don't, don't stop. Sweat is fat crying. Oh my, and wow. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Um, I'm just going to have some water. And I just left because <laughs> I was totally freaked out. And I think I actually like cried afterwards because he was like very <laughs> aggressive and the whole thing yeah. just didn't go well. And it kind of, gave me a lesson about like specifically my personality what I need is like a yoga teacher 
gently. And if you don't want to do this pose, (laughs) you can take child's pose and you can have a rest. Um, So I, yeah, that's what's always put me off. That's what I was sort of getting at, I think, because (laughs) I just suppose I felt kind of vulnerable at the time and I really needed somebody who wasn't going to shout at me. And (laughs) there may be another thing about being females and having a very aggressive male kind of, you know, (laughs) instructing you in that way, which you can get a bit defensive about. And particularly, you know, maybe if there's something in your life as well that would trigger that. But um, I suppose that's what I was sort of getting at. Um, But maybe we're talking about maybe not the best style of personal training and it really does. (laughs) Well, again, that's not personal training, right? That's a group sure. class. And oh, a lot yeah, of those are targeted at people who are already fit. Yeah. And that's actually what they really want. They love that. Some people right. love that. Okay. It's not even a male-female thing. Like women actually, women are quite different to men as clients in that they have different associations. Guys associate training with getting big and strong and they want to lift really heavy and then take a big, long rest and be able to lift really heavy again. Women associate training with getting skinny and sweating and breathing heavily. Mm -hmm. So they want to work really, really hard and then not rest and just be ready to go again. You have, you have a hard time, in fact, slowing them down so that you can actually put enough weight on what, you know, load the exercise enough that they then need to have a rest that you don't just go charging into the next thing. Mm. So you're kind of telling them, telling women to slow down. You're telling guys to get up off the floor and do their next set. You know, (laughs) the psychology of it is, is, is different. Obviously I'm making a massive generalization, but I, you know, there there are just as many women who probably want to be really pushed really hard. And it's just down to the individual client and it's how you push. Um, and that kind of changes from client to client, but yeah, the class thing is very different. Like I can see why those, those, those fitness classes are quite intimidating because it's a lot of them have these acolytes who just go all the time and they they pride themselves on being the best. And, you know, they want, they want to be shouted at and they're there for that, you know, oh, yeah, and that just yeah. isn't for everybody. You you're know? you're yeah. right. Because everyone else was really vibing off this guy's style. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah. I just was in the wrong place. I think yeah, so it wouldn't work for me <laughs> either. Yeah. I have to say it's not my kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is good because there should be something there for everybody. I think those classes yeah. don't always yeah. need that except yoga maybe, which kind of is specifically about, okay, let's chill, let's connect and breathe and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so Zach, you run a program at the minute, Shredded and Sober. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very interested in it. Um, it's interesting because I'm told you make a use of a lot of psychology with regards to cutting out alcohol, um, stuff about mindful eating. Can you tell us more about that? Well, I mean, it's something that's kind of in its early days. It's because, you know, I'm quite new to the whole sobriety thing myself. I've only been, you know, off booze for just over a year. Um, so, yeah, we do use a little bit of psychology, but it's more sort of the big thing we talk about is um, we say replacing, not erasing. That's my little my oh, little Oh, that's for cool. That, you're removing something that for better or worse has been hugely important in your life. You know, alcohol has served a purpose um, for good or for bad. So to just rip that out of your life and expect to just kind of grit it out and, um, and get through, that's not really going to work. That works for a month. You know, when people do the sober October, the dry January, and they basically spend the whole 30 days dying for a glass of wine yeah (laughs) and then yeah they're like right got through it here we go bottle of wine (laughs) you've not really learned anything you know so I think the big focus for me is to to um 
think about what what you were getting from alcohol and try and try and replace that with something else or or just with an another uh, another habit or another hobby something that will make you feel equally uh, in the moment and equally okay, um, cool. you know satisfied or distracted or entertained or whatever or it is relaxed, yeah or relaxed exactly yeah for me yeah yeah that's a huge thing that's a huge thing right so yeah that's what is interesting else relax because like my sort of um associate like what I think about when I think about people drinking alcohol is it's a way to not be engaged as much as you yeah. are when you're sober I mean obviously that's in terms of people drinking excessively or like problem drinking. But even if you yeah. think about like relaxing with a glass of wine. there's a, It's a switching off of, it's a, it's a, it's a numbing off. of certain emotions, isn't it? Yeah. Or all your emotions for sure. Yeah. I like that um, replace, don't erase thing because mm, it's yeah. like, uh, if you replace it with exercise, for example, that is like much more engaging than the switch off mechanism, which is like what mm. substances are kind of about. Um, yeah. So it's good really for cutting good. down as well, replace, not erase. So even if you don't want to stop, you know, working out why you feel at the end of the day, you're like, oh, I just really need a glass of wine. You know, what is, why, are, why is that happening? And how can you engage in another mechanism that's going to give you that same kind of sense of relaxation or switching off, or this is the end of the day now, some other kind of signal, habit, you know, whatever it may be, or hobby. Yeah, no, that's really exactly interesting. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So Hannah, there was something you wanted to call back to when we were doing our last episode, we were recording our last episode, which was about body image. And mm-hmm. Hannah made a point and we just wanted to, since we had your expertise in front of us, we just wanted to ask you this thing that she thinks she heard somewhere. So this is extremely vague and I don't have any more information and I wish I did. But basically, I think I read somewhere or uh, heard on some podcast or something that if you, if you, when you're exercising, if you think actively try and concentrate on the muscles you're using, that it's like more impactful. And I kind of, I remember reading it. And the reason I I think I remember it is because I was like, how does that work? Is this bullshit? Yeah. You had said exercising with an intention that you could make it, you could make the exercise more impactful. I think that's what you had said on the yeah, for last week. that was what I, maybe I interpreted it wrong as well, but I was sort of being like, I can understand why if you exercise with an intention in mind, that will make you feel more satisfied with your workout. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this thing that I read, I think it was an article or something, it seemed to suggest that it was physically <laughs> more impactful. And I was like, yeah. how could that be? Can you myth well, because, this for me? You know, so you, there's a fa- the phrase you, you hear a lot is the mind muscle connection. Oh. And that's a totally, you know, real physiological phenomenon, right? You've got it. You've got your muscle is made of motor units, which is which are the muscle fibers themselves, and the nerve cell that innervates those and causes them to contract. And you can, if you can get more of them involved in a particular contraction, particular exercise, then you're going to make that exercise more effective. Mm-hmm. So most, oh. like I would go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I would go so far as to say that uh, most reps of so it's specifically this about weight training, right? So weight training, you're contracting your muscle against a weight to move it from A to B to the end range of of a particular joint and a particular group of muscles. Okay, that's what that's that's where that is applicable. And most exercises you see people do in the gym, they're wasting 
most of the rep because they're just, they're not actually thinking about the muscle that they're training. They're just thinking, move this from here to here. And therefore they're using muscles that they shouldn't be targeting in that exercise, taking the stress away from the muscles they're trying to put the stress on and using less motor units for the particular muscle that they're trying to train. So it's not, it's not just think about the muscle, but that's a beginning. Like that's an awareness of the specific muscle that you're trying to train on the exercise. That's certainly a good starting point, right? You want to know what you're trying to achieve. What am I actually trying to target and activate with this exercise? Mm. And when you start doing that, then you're thinking, okay, well, maybe I need to minimize movement from the rest of the body and then just Mm. create the movement at the specific joint and the specific muscles and therefore the specific muscle fibers that I'm trying to target. Um, So yeah, that's the mind-muscle connection. That's totally real. So it's not like saying... You're not jogging on a treadmill, imagining being thinner. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You're, you're training your biceps while thinking about the bicep, about the, the the range of motion of that joint, and trying to get a really strong cra- um, um, contraction throughout the full range of that movement. And that is one of the most important things that anyone can learn when they're um, trying to learn weight training or or, or body weight training. You know? That wow. makes a lot of sense to me. Actually, it makes sense to me in a number of ways. I can't believe I didn't think about this, but just in terms of the whole mind-body connection, because that's what we would have, uh, you know, studied and what I would have um, researched in health psychology, which brings me on to the last question I want to ask you. But um, also in terms of just my experience of of good personal training, it's very slow. You know, we spend mm. a lot of time working on the movements and doing them correctly, um, yeah. especially because, at the you know, when I was spending so much time, 12 hours sitting in front of the laptop, I was standing up and could barely move. And the personal trainer really was the only person that <laughs> stopped me from being completely <laughs> crippled in that year because, you know, she was focusing very much on corrective movements and correction yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So it was really, really helpful. But um, so the, yeah, I was thinking a lot about um, the health belief model and things like that when I was thinking about um, talking to you about exercise and uh, obviously the wider episode around that. And there was something that I remembered that you had said in a blog once. Now, this is going to really annoy you because I'm going to be dragging your memory for this, <laughs> but it might be uh, it might be something that you just remember. So you made a brilliant point once about, and it was to do with motivation. And um, you were talking about something like the people underestimate the impact of the choice they're making in the moment and over rely on the future them making a better choice. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's true. That's very true. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, we, we sort of, uh, we gr- grant our future selves like better motivation yeah. <laughs> uh, than we do in the moment. There's a, there's interesting research around it. Like you, if you ask, uh, if you give people a selection of movies to watch, and they go from like just cheesy, silly comedies to worthy like Oscar dramas, and they say, which one do you want to watch a week from now? They'll choose the like worthy yeah. emotional drama. But if you ask them what's, what they want to watch right now, they'll they'll go for the the comedy, <laughs> right? Um, so there's, there's tons of there's tons of different examples, and it's just that yeah, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. Oh um, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mo- like the whole the thing is motivation is 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 weak. Willpower is mm. what mo- well I should say willpower is quite weak. Um, if you if you rely on willpower alone, you will fail. You have to build the better choices into your life, they essentially have to become easy or you've got to have a really compelling reason 
yeah. you know, or, or, or a mixture of both. I, that's interesting. A lot of your, a lot of what you've said so far has been about meaning and like finding meaning, finding meaning in mm-hmm. why you're coming to a trainer or why you want to do certain exercises. Why do you want to be fitter? Why you want to be fitter? What your, uh, that's what your motivations are. That is, that's interesting. That's something we've talked about on the podcast before. Um, finding your, your meaning in life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've talked a lot about existential things. I love to listen to anything anyone says and then try and make it existential. So I'm doing that too. Sorry. This is what she does all the time. That's my whole, that's my reason to be doing anything. That's yours meaning, like, yeah. What does it mean? Um, but that, I mean, that makes me feel like that is how I'm not very good at making myself do exercise. Like I'll do yoga mm-hmm. at home. Probably most of my exercise comes from walking because I walk to and from places because I can't That drive. is exercise. And, and you, straight away you use the phrase making myself do exercise. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You're As talking I said. about it in a pretty negative <laughs> way already. You know? I, yeah, it's, um, I'm, I don't have a great um, relationship with it. But I think yeah. if I approached it from like listening to what you've said, I think a lot of that would make me feel a little bit more less reluctant definitely or maybe even right. positive about it because I might actually enjoy it if I if I was approaching it from that kind of way rather than just like I should be doing this I should do yoga yeah. three times a week um it's not that exercise saying exercise isn't for you is like saying food isn't for you yeah. you know yeah. what I mean <laughs> some food isn't yeah yeah but there some is yeah and it's about exposing yourself to enough different types and there will be something that you'll enjoy yeah you know it's it's about there are there are objectively better forms of training for specific goals but all of that is trumped on trumped by the one that you will actually do yeah and the one that is actually pragmatic and will fit into your life you know that's the most important thing because actually frequency is 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 important Mm -hmm. so better to have something that you enjoy enough to do most days than something that you can struggle through once or twice a yeah, week. Yeah, and know? that you, it makes you miserable. Yeah. Like, I hate jogging. Yeah. See, no I love jogging. And I was going to say to you to do the 100K in October thing with me, but I know you would just hate it. It would be off putting if anything. I would do almost anything, anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I just. That's off the list. <laughs> every moment is pain and misery if I am jogging. <laughs> and like, it's so weird because. As a kid, it's you run about the place walking. voluntarily, and I used to love that. Yeah. yeah. But see, if someone was like, "Do you want to go for a jog?" I'd be like, Do "You might you be trying to me? go too fast, though." Maybe. Anyway, um, Zach, I'll let you go in a wee minute, but I wondered if you wanted to join us for our um problem that we have written in oh, yeah. from a listener, um, because it's exercise related. So lovely, it be good um, because every so we've done like what this is our eighth episode, yeah. Every time anyone sends in a question, our answer is basically just therapy might help with this problem. <laughs> so it'd be great to get another perspective. <laughs> um, okay. Yes, we're we're thinking of we're thinking of branding this section the anti advice um, section because we are keen to um, encourage people to make their own choices and not take our opinion on things, but. Um, right. Also, we're, you know, we're just interested in seeing how people could approach different problems that they have. Okay, so this one uh, starts. Hello, I am loving the episode so far. I'm completely hooked. I thought I would write in my problem. 
So I've gone through a separation and divorce, which was completely traumatic and left me feeling really bad about myself. I also put on some weight due to this. And I think also due to going through the menopause. I went to a personal trainer who was a young man and I find myself leaving every session feeling really ashamed of myself. Mm. Um, At the start, I told him my self-esteem was low because of the divorce and said at one point that I felt like crying. And he said that would make me feel really uncomfortable. He kept saying things like no excuses. And I wasn't trying to make excuses, but it seemed like whatever I did, I wasn't dropping fat rapidly as he thought I should be. When I mentioned the menopause as a potential factor, he just said, I don't know anything about that. Several times after sessions, I was left in tears. I obviously have a lot of stuff to work through and I don't know if the problem is with him or with me. I am not going back, but feel like I should. Am I being a quitter or something? Oh, that's sad. Oh, gosh. I know. So this, why I wanted to ask you is our, our approach I felt would probably be that is horrible. That man is terrible. You know, you know, never go near him again. You need therapy. To yeah. go to therapy probably would be our first thing to say. Um, but do you have any take on that, Zach? Yeah, he's obviously the wrong guy for that for that person. I mean, that's that's very clear from that. The, the thing about training is it's a very young industry, broadly. Like I'm an old dog, <laughs> <laughs> just by virtue of having been it for you know I don't know fifteen years. It's it's quite a high turnover. Yeah. So you probably, I would wager that that's a young guy mm. who, you know, his life revolves around training and he can't understand why somebody else's life doesn't revolve around training yeah. or why somebody else's body wouldn't respond to exercise and diet the way his 22-year-old body does, which mm. is in a very predictable, like linear fashion. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the menopause massively, massively complicated, uh, uh, complicates things yeah. slows things down greatly and it becomes quite counterintuitive you can't you can't starvation diet your way out of it that will uh you'll, you'll go backwards yeah. really you know mm-hmm. and you need to really moderate the intensity of the exercise and the volume of the exercise so i would i would say that that guy is the wrong person for her and you know you're not a quitter if you're for walking away from a situation like that, when you, if you're feeling really down and unmotivated and kind of sad afterwards, that's enough to know oh, yeah. that you could, you're in the wrong, you're with the wrong person there. It doesn't yeah. have to be like, yeah, I would um, say, I would try and find someone a bit older and someone that first that you have rapport with, yeah. you know, any, anyone, anyone you call as a trainer, they'll probably want to have a chat with you first. Mm. You know, you come in and you have a bit of a chat and you wander around the gym and you maybe do some assessments and stuff like that. But when I do that, I'm really just talking to them and trying to get a, uh, an understanding of who the person is and what they want and whether we're going to get on. Yeah. And I think, that, you know, I, I would just find somebody else who you feel a bit more of a connection and understanding with. Yeah, you know? that maybe hasn't happened in this case. I mean, I would sort of echo that in terms of if you are feeling, if you're leaving sessions feeling unhappy, I always left personal training sessions feeling amazing amazing and empowered and strong and like couldn't wait for the next one and you know obviously I'm not dealing with this kind of vulnerability that this person is going through but I would say regardless of that fact if you're leaving feeling unhappy if you're in tears 
those are what I would call red flags to this situation yeah. is not is not okay for you and it's not maybe safe for you within in the emotional situation that you're currently in and like Zach like you say that guy is wrong for that person but probably great yes. for loads of other clients that he has he might be yeah so yeah. I bet it's a young guy and he's probably great for other young guys. Yeah. You know, for, for, for guys in their forties who want to feel like young guys. Again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, you know, he'll be right for somebody, but clearly, clearly not for that person. Yeah. She's not wrong. Yeah. Not I mean, for there is a wider point about like the fact that menopause is culturally silence. Like <laughs> yeah. nobody. I don't know anything about, about that is what he said. I don't know anything said. about that. Yeah. He might have well have been like disgusting. Mm. Do not ask me about the menopause. But that's a shame. I would say to that person, you're the opposite of a quitter because you tried something. I know you did an amazing hard. thing. You tried a really difficult yes. thing at a very trying time in your life. And I I would consider that a warrior rather than a quitter. Um, Trial and error, baby. Yeah. Got to try the things to know that you don't like them. I know that this podcast is just one big advert for therapy, but genuinely, I do think that there needs to be a repository for some of those more difficult feelings and that probably it's the interaction with the, with a person in that way is bringing up some of those feelings that should be really dealt with in, in therapy and a therapy relationship in a safer way. Mm. So we've answered another question by saying, go to therapy. Thank goodness you were here, Zach. Otherwise it would have been very dull. Um, so I hope that's helpful, writer inner. Thank you very much for writing in. Yeah, and thank you. Um, everybody keep writing in. Yeah, we and love it. We have to say thank you so much to our guest, our very first guest, Zach. Thank you for answering all our questions. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. No problem. It was good fun for us. Yeah, I learned a lot, actually. And I am good. really, I honestly, I could go for a run right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> I might. I, I don't want to. <laughs> I can't wait for my run tomorrow because I couldn't do it today because I didn't sleep well enough. So, okay. Thank you so much, Zach. Thanks, Zach. See no you problem. soon. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So what did you think of that, Hannah? I thought that was an excellent interview. <gasps> First interview down. Yeah, yeah, it was great fun. It's he had fun a lot of good stuff. Someone. Yeah. I we should do that all the time. Yeah, I really liked um his perspective. I really liked what he was saying. Um I liked all the information he had. I mean, I do really feel very motivated now. I want to go out for a run immediately. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. The thing that I liked about that is we are in totally different like professions and worlds yeah. and sort of circles than Zach. So hearing him talk in a really intelligent way about his work mm -hmm. was so interesting to me. Yeah. I've learned that I really vibe off people being smart. Yeah. And telling I smart knew that things. already. <laughs> I that has become very apparent to me that I really need that. So thank you, Zach, for being so intelligent. Yes. Thanks, Zach. Thank you, Zach. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Hannah. Thanks, Thanks therapy. I think the first two points were enough, really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a different, such a different perspective to us. It was really important to get. And then what was the second thing he said? <laughs> we can't listen <laughs> back to it because I have to change all the settings. That. Uh... Yeah. Are you going to say cognitive rather than thinking? <laughs> Or bright or intelligent or intelligent. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> um